And welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside podcast where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Chuck Bailey and you are about to join us on the start of a mini-series of uh, preview podcasts uh, where I'll be talking to various fans and he's been uh, very lovely and staying nice and quiet in the background there but it is my absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you today about Chelsea Football Club, uh, the one and only Mr Andrew Penpraise. Andy, welcome. Hello. Hi Chuck, how are you? I am very well, how about yourself? Not at all bad, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, the, uh, obviously, we had the conversation off air as well, the fact that this is the first time we've spoken. Um, so, you know, it's always a treat to, to put a voice to a face, as it were. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, so, obviously, the purpose of today, you know, we speak a lot of Chelsea on the pod, um, but you're a kind of a different voice and a less American and, frankly, a less grating one as well. Um, <laughs> so, just as a chance to introduce yourself uh, to the listeners in that way how did you become a Chelsea fan what's your kind of link or connection with the club okay well I mean so I don't come from a football supporting family or anything so I didn't have a a dad's footsteps to follow in um might have heard I come from Sutton South London um I sort of first got into football in probably after Italia 90 after the trauma of watching that and um Basically, everyone in my school, they either supported Chelsea, Arsenal or Crystal Palace. And my friends supported Chelsea. So I literally followed that lead. Uh, no deep ties, but they've become deep. Been my club for over 30 years and always will be. Wow. So, OK, fair enough. So through friends. And so did you? does that mean you started attending games with them? Or is it more kind of casual uh, fandom, collecting panini stickers, uh, that kind of thing? Yeah, collecting panini stickers. Um, I mean, I come from... I come from quite a poor family, to be honest with you. We never have money to go and see a football game. Right, gotcha. Um, but it's sort of little bits and pieces sort of got me involved with the club quite nicely. Like my grandmother used to take me up to Stamford Bridge to go to the club shop when it was the, uh, the old club shop pre-Megastore. Right, yeah, um, yeah. I had a teacher from school who uh, had a friend who had a season ticket who uh, organised me to go along with him one time when uh, his son couldn't make it. So got to see um, Chelsea v United sort of in the old West Stands when it was uh, sort of concrete benches so I, I got little little ins there here and there mm-hmm. but I didn't didn't go and see Chelsea under my own steam until I was well into my late 20s when I started to earn enough money to actually go to a game. Got you and so did that uh, like Oscar did that kind of coincide then with all the money that came uh, with Chelsea and uh, not, that, uh, not that I'm it, trying to say you're a glory <laughs> No, the glory happens to stuff really great to me actually because um, you know when I when I when I was at primary school, the Palace fans used to take the piss out of me for supporting a rubbish team, and that's saying so, uh, that really is saying something. Yeah, so you know, in the days of like Dimitri, Karine, and uh, Dennis Wise and Gavin Peacock, we weren't the best. But no, I mean the money came in in two thousand and three, and so I probably. I think I first went to a game under my own team like 2009. So it'd been, a, it'd been a few years in by that point. Uh, it took me a while to actually get to the point where I could actually afford to shell out 60 quid for a ticket. Yeah, especially, you know, we, we talk about football prices now, but 60 quid in 2009, although that's not a <sighs> lifetime ago, that's it's a hefty chunk of change. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, uh, so, so you've kind of been following 
properly for, for a fair amount of time. So, <laughs> you know, we can kind of touch on obviously the, the ownership issues and the, and the sanctions and the Abramovich of it all as, as kind of as much as you want. I don't really want to bog you down. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we've all had enough of politics today. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. It's, what, it's talk about good. Boris Johnson? Wow. <laughs> okay. No, let's talk about, let's talk about Abramovich, not Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so how are you kind of feeling about, about his tenure and obviously the changes and what's cap- happened afterwards with obviously, uh, Granovskaya going, Bowley taking over with a consortium and kind of, a potential change in in tack of the way Chelsea operate because it's been well run, shall we say? It, for a moment, it has, it has, and yeah, Oscar's sort of nailed it before when he said it's it's possible to be a good football club owner and an awful human being. Um, Roman did good things for Chelsea. He propelled our club from from a from a pretty average place to a place we never really dreamed to be. So I don't think any Chelsea fan can really moan about Roman. Um, ultimately, Ken Bates, you know, he nearly sunk Chelsea financially mm-hmm. by the early 2000s. And, yep. you know, he pulled us from the ruins. Yeah, you were in, a, you're in a bad spot at that point as well. There was there was some, a lot of worries going around before Abramovich came in, wasn't there? There was. And it's, it's, it's interesting because we were playing well. We had Ranieri. We were playing Champions League football. We were sort of challenging towards the top of the table whilst never really sort of challenging for the title but yeah financially we were you know we could well as easily go out of business in those times so yeah Roman gave us loads he gave us success he gave us trophies he wasn't perfect as an owner I don't think um I'm a huge fan of continuity. I'm a huge fan of the club mm-hmm. having an identity and I think we lacked that uh, with him. He, you know, he never let a manager settle uh he never really let sort of Chelsea have an identity other than just being a club that buys stars. Um, so, you know, I love the success. I love the trophies. Winning Champions League in 2012 is, you know, still one of the best, best moments of my football sporting career, like career life. Um, yeah, yeah, you were. You yeah, were why not? Yeah. Why not? Let's call why it. Why not? Yeah. He retired now, <laughs> of course, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, so I'm frustrated as a fan to see us churn through managers and bring in ill-fitted marquee signings. Uh, you know, I've long looked at people like Jurgen Klopp from Liverpool and felt envious mm-hmm. at having an identity mm-hmm. um, that we didn't have. So, you know, bringing that to like the new owner, um, we hope that that's an opportunity. I think um, it's an assumption at this point, but it looks to be. Uh, leaning on analytics, he looks that he might back to call for the long term. If you know, if we can sort of grow into that space of being a team that is really smart with our purchases, yeah. you know, uses analytics to sort of gain that 0.5 percent edge in sort of a hundred different areas. Mm-hmm. Back to manager long term, um, you know. So we, could, we could go places. So it's interesting. I'm, I'm positive about new ownership, but at the same time, I'm a little bit scared because we don't really know what right. we got. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, we should uh, preface this. Uh, ultimately, I don't know when we're going to start releasing these pods, but we're recording now on the 7th of July. Um, yeah, hence the Boris yeah. Johnson joke is very topical. <laughs> so now I can put that hashtag in and it'll be good for our SEO and loads of people will listen to this now. Um, Brilliant. But, but yeah, I think you're right. It's it's such early days um, and it's... I, it, are you at all worried? Because I guess kind of, you know, being it how we're in silly transfer season and those kind of things as well. Are you at all worried by 
the fact that there haven't really been any ins yet. I mean, as we speak, it seems to be Raheem Sterling is coming in for 45 million, which I I, I firstly think is a great one. Um, but obviously, yeah. Lukaku, the Lukaku experiment is for the moment uh, over. Uh, Christensen left and has now been announced as Barcelona. Mm. Rudiger has gone to Real Madrid. So is, is there anything there that kind of concerns you or are you happy for them to kind of take their time or... I've never been concerned about rushing to transfers because I think, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately the, the club, you've got to leave the club to do what they're doing in the window. And I don't think it helps when yeah. fans get agitated saying, why haven't we done stuff? I will be concerned if we sign someone like Ronaldo. Um, I think that's I, Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, the way that they um, appear to have given a lot of control to Tuchel over identifying players mm-hmm. is good. Um, the way you know, Rafinha and Sterling potentially excellent, excellent signings. Yep. Um, my my concern is twofold. Uh, the first that the club the club needs to make money now, whereas yep. we've been bleeding money under mm-hmm. Abramovich. So it's what our spending power actually is, which right, is not yep. clear. Um, and the second is having lost uh, Granovskaya. Um, you know. <sighs> I think she had to go. She did a great job for the club, but she's part of the outgoing regime. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the new owners will want to cut those tires, especially with the toxicity of, um, you know, what actually happened uh, in terms of the sanction in the Ukraine war, etc. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that makes sense. But I'm a little bit surprised she got to Chesterton so early. Um, it did come quite as quite a surprise, really. I mean, it, you know, with hindsight, you think about it and it makes sense. But... You know, Todd Bowley, whilst he's he's clearly a very skilled operator to get to where he is in life and has run sports teams before, her contacts and uh, are kind of invaluable within the world of football, and she's mm. revered, feared, respected, all, all of it. And so, it, it yeah, I, I think it's kind of strange, isn't it? It's kind of betwixt and between that you can see why she's gone and why maybe she should have stayed. Yeah, I will see how it shakes out. I think the concern is that you end up with like a Man United situation with Ed Woodward where you've got someone who doesn't appear to know mm-hmm. how to get stuff over the line and that ultimately impacts your, your team. But we'll see. We're just, we're just uh, make, <laughs> making stuff up that we think we know right now. Yeah, we, God, so. I, I mean, I can't see you turning into a Man United, mate. That's that's even oh, more of so a case. Um, they're all sharing videos on Twitter now of them passing to each other in training and making out like it's a revolution. <laughs> like, bloody hell, mate. Um so yeah, so you, so you mentioned obviously uh, a few of the signings there. Um, is there any particular area you really think that Chelsea needs refreshing or, or needs the people, or, or any any uh, players you really hope come in for there? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two really obvious areas. Um, I think the first is up front. Uh, you just have to look at the disparity between uh, sort of what we should have been putting up last season and what we actually put up. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, we need we need a player who consistently puts the ball in the net. Um, Havertz doesn't appear to be that finisher. Werner yep. obviously isn't. Um, <laughs> I don't think it necessarily needs to be like a ruthless number nine necessarily. Um, I think it's credible for wide players to fill that gap. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the wing-backs have delivered in this respect on the Tuchel system. Huge. Uh, it's completely um, acceptable to think that bringing in Sterling and Rafina will... Yeah deliver us goals um, mm-hmm. from the wing that's that you know 
Tuchel plays a system where the goals do come from out wide. You can see Havertz and Mounts yeah. linking up really well with Fina and Sterling. So if we get those two, I'll be so happy. I think that gives us the goals we need. The second obvious one is uh, centre backs, isn't it? You know, we quite yeah. desperately need some centre backs. <laughs> I mean, Delict is the one we've been linked with. Yeah, D- I mean, Delict is that would be pretty bloody good. I mean, he's still so young, and you know, yeah, went yeah. with a lot of fanfare to Juventus, which kind of died out a bit just because of well, them kind of floundering the last few years and dealing with FFP, etc. But yeah, because I mean, centre backs and and a volume of centre backs. I think you you probably need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Silver will do a job, but he's he's so so old, isn't he? He's about he's about a hundred now, I think. So yeah, yeah. Uh, don't think we can rely on him. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they've got that covered. Um, I think I think the other thing we need to look at as well is yeah, Kante is sort of on the cusp. We can't rely on him for too much longer. And Jorginho isn't it. He's not mobile enough. So yeah. we're probably not this season, but we need to look at his long-term replacement. And, you know, again, sort of ob- obvious names like Declan Rice would be great. Uh, yeah. That'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Well, obviously, to, to kind of link link a little bit to that with midfield and obviously myself being a Palace fan, how do you yeah. see... Tuchel using Gallagher potentially in this team because he, you know, the whole time when when he was at Palace, he was saying he kind of a few times he wished he didn't get him to leave, and he said he's very much interested in his plans. And if Gallagher is going to stay, you know, he was in and around the England team with the World Cup coming up. So, yeah. do you see him fitting in and potentially then other uh, academy players, Armando Breuer, um, Levi Col- Colwell, these kind of players, actually? potentially under the Bowley era getting more of a chance? I can't see why not because I think financially we need it to happen. Um, we, need, we need to bring through some academy prospects and, you know, Conor Gallagher's not an academy prospect, is he? He completely did the business at Palace last season. He's proven mm-hmm. he can perform at an elite level. There's absolutely no reason why he can't be starting regularly for Chelsea. He just needs to get his chances and show that he can he can do it. Yep. Um I think Billy Gilmore, same. Um, you know, he's got he's got a lot to offer. Um, I do feel there's sort of like a couple of those sort of more established academy players who we've really wanted to see kick on and haven't in sort of Cal Hudson Adoy and uh, um, and um, Loftus Cheek. And obviously injuries have really sort of yeah, murdered really their chances, so. haven't they? But um, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder if we will see them. Uh, but Gallagher and Gilmore definitely love to see Breuer. I mean, we haven't really got a, a centre forward right now. So Breuer, why not let him play this season? Why not give him a chance to show what he can do? Again, he did it at Southampton, didn't he? So there's uh, there's no reason yeah. not to. No, that's good. I think it makes sense. And, and you kind of touched on it there, the financial situation. And um, obviously Chelsea have been famous for sending approximately 73 players on loan every year. <laughs> uh, and with that now going to, to eight, I believe, from this year, as well as um, obviously not necessarily having as much financial backing. Yeah. And the, the invention, as it were, of the buyback clause. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, kind of I'd like to... I'm not really sure, but is Lucas Pearson still a Chelsea player? Because he seems to have been um, his entire career, I believe, career uh, Yeah, he's just been given another week's contract <laughs> extension. Uh, he's with Marco Van Ginkel, and that yeah, he's there, isn't he? was yeah. there for 20 years. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so, I mean, we talk about the ills of the Abramovich era. He's, this is the example, you know, the sort of the, uh, the people who just hang around and yeah. there's not no reason why they're there. They're just there. Yeah, exactly. And I, I genuinely can't remember the goalkeeper's name now, but he was the <laughs> longest serving player without ever having played a game like it was it was mad um so while while we kind of touch then on to next season what do you how do you kind of see this season going what are your expectations because last year I mean podcast wise anyway we were fairly high on Chelsea um I think based on Tuchel's short tenure it, it was kind of uh fairly well-founded and especially with the way that Lukaku came in um, mm. I think it's very easy with hindsight to say that he was a failure but I don't think anyone really called that at the time so no, how do all. you no. kind of see things going for this season and what are your let's say your realistic expectations of league and maybe Champions League or any other domestic cups as well what's kind of your feeling on those? Well obviously we're going to lose the FA Cup final because that's become our thing Standard, um, yep. yeah yeah um, so no, I think any Chelsea fan is realistic enough. No, actually, I'll, I'll correct that. I think those are Chelsea yeah, fans. Yeah, let's, let's go unrealistic. back over that straight away. Just... <laughs> I, as a Chelsea fan, am realistic enough to know that we're nowhere near City and Liverpool, and any yeah. pretensions to finish in the top two are kind of a bit mad. Um, I have to say that I think Spurs have got every reason to expect to finish third in this mm-hmm. season. Uh, they, they kind of really done good business and uh, very good is, business yeah Jeff's, Jeff's eagerly manager. badgering me for when he gets to come on and talk about <laughs> Spurs all the time he cannot wait he is pre-epic yeah I mean it'd be wonderful to see it blow up but I don't think it will um, you know Arsenal have gotten their stuff together um, mm-hmm. I I pushed for a prediction I think we're going to finish fifth um, right okay I still, I still think we got enough to finish ahead of United Newcastle were at least a season away from being a credible threat. Yeah, but I think I think Spurs will finish ahead of us with City and Liverpool. I think one of West Ham and Arsenal—they're both enough on an upwards trajectory. Yeah, uh, okay. To make us feel vulnerable, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we finish as low as eighth. If I'm being honest, because it's going to be such a season of transition. But I think third would represent a great success. Yeah, I think I think yeah, you're right. It's weird, and that's not necessarily to say that seventh or eighth might be a bad thing it's just that there seems to be a lot of teams that are in a similar position Mm. right now depending on their trajectories I mean we you know we simply don't know what Man United are going to be like um like I said earlier uh, they have just discovered passing uh running (laughs) so more on that as we get it throughout the season um yeah you you preempted me I guess then with the Spurs because uh I, I can kind of see that as well. And obviously we don't know about Arsenal and, and, and Chelsea, one of West Ham, Newcastle, hell, even Villa. But I, I think mm, it's yeah. been so long since Villa signed all of their players that we've forgotten <laughs> that they've made um, uh, some great moves. So, yeah. It's yeah, kind lots of, of threat. Yeah. Lots but, of threat. But do you think, I mean, I guess it's kind of, <laughs> the problem is with, you know what it's like with, for sentimentality in football and, and people wanting to do stuff. So do you think um, Tuchel can do enough to kind of survive the season or what do you think he would kind of have to do to achieve that um i honestly hope that the hierarchy just back him and Mm -hmm. say you know what we we, want to make this a project and ultimately you can finish eighth and that's fine as long as we can see that things are going in the right direction 
Um, that's always been my opinion with managers to think long term. Unfortunately, you lose three or four games and you get over Twitter twats kicking up a massive fuss. <laughs> and suddenly, you know, people listen uh, <laughs> and react. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, I think a good cup run and uh, sort of looking good on the pitch, not necessarily much that results will be enough given the transition, but that all makes a lot of assumptions about the owners. Yeah. Um, on a cup run, Champions League, um, I've got a feeling about this. Um, okay. And you, you, can, you can absolutely rip me to shreds over this in a few months' time. But you know, we, we've, won, we've won the Champions League twice before when we've had absolutely no right. And I feel one thing that Tuchel can do is win any game on yep. any given day. So um, that's my bold prediction is that winning <laughs> the Champions League this year. Well, <laughs> finish, I, finish out and win Champions League. Well, I, th- I think that, that was kind of my next question that do, because finishing eighth and the manner of which is okay, whatever, you know, I know we're going to the, to the extreme here, but that then doesn't mean Champions League football. But what Tuchel has shown with the exception of the Champions League this year, is he's reached the final in every competition he's been in since he yeah. since he moved to Chelsea. So do you think then there will be that conscious effort to target the Champions League, as it were, uh, with the weird schedule we have, which we haven't even really touched on, where all six group games are done by November? Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, it's, it's achievable, right? <laughs> why not? <laughs> Cool, and uh, I mean, we we should probably touch on uh, maybe the fantasy football element as well, as as we know you are an eager player. Um, yeah, and you've got your team, you've got your team ID. You look at you with your three digits, oh, four digits. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is going out to everyone. It's great. Uh, I don't go on Twitter anymore. Fuck them. I, uh, how do you feel or how do you normally view your Chelsea assets? Do you stick to them? Do you avoid them? Are there any that are straight in your team for this year? How do you feel about the pricing? Because, again, Chelsea feel a bit priced to buy if things go well. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to avoid Chelsea because I want to enjoy uh, FPL and, you know, seeing my, my actual team do badly and my FPL team do badly just doesn't make for a good weekend. Um, but... Yeah, they're priced to buy. I think the problem is that the FPL points are really spread out amongst the Chelsea players. So I'm actually steering clear initially. Um, I think we need to see how things shake out with positioning. But there's a lot of players there that are kind of on my on my shortlist to come in um, if they sort of start showing stuff. Um, the one exception to that is probably Rafinha. If he signs, he's at, you know at yeah. seven million. I think he is. He's straight in. Yeah, I was going to say he's seven to eight. Uh, Raheem Sterling at the minute, even at ten. Uh, I mean, no, no one at Chelsea at the moment costs more than eight, from what I remember. Um, yeah. Your defenders, you, you know, your Reese James and your Chilwells, who you know, Chilwells obviously back now has gone straight into training. You've got a preseason ahead. I mean, that's that's got to be good signs, really, that that there might be a bit more value there for Chelsea, eh? Yeah, and I mean, you know, the wing backs looks like where it might be at you know, with Chilwan and James at those prices. But I think it remains to be seen if the goals will still keep coming from those wing backs. If you've got Rafinha and Sterling further up the pitch, it makes sense that they will kind of usurp uh, James and Chilwell for those goals. Like they were providing it because no one else was there to provide it last season. Yeah. Well, obviously not, not Chilwell because he's injured, but, you know, with Alonso. So, yeah, there's a lot. It's a big wait and see. Alonso. Big wait and see. forgot about Alonso. Yeah. Even he's trying to leave. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Probably have abandoned yeah. that one. 
uh, years ago. But you know, we well we kind of went wishy washy wishy uh, we kind of went wishy washy on it a little bit earlier. Um, but I'm going to nail you down now. Imagine you're doing your predictor league. Yeah. Where are you putting Chelsea? Fifth. Chelsea fifth place. Uh, mm-hmm. That might be good enough for Champions League this year with the uh, the extra English spot as well. Um, Maybe. Everything. So there we go, folks. You heard it here. Andy Pemprey's Chelsea are finishing fifth. Outrageous. Disgusting. Calls himself mm. a proper fan. Um, <laughs> it's It's been absolutely wonderful to speak to you, Andy, um, both for me being able to finally speak to you again. Another Chelsea voice, like we said before. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure and, and you're an absolute gent. You've done a marvellous, marvellous job. Thanks, Jack. And thanks to uh, all the producers. I mean, uh, you. Uh, Andy, uh, Johnny, Nate, Mark Daffin, Sam Danby, Jeff Pedder. Uh, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.